I don't think I have the most negative stuff to say about the boy. Chinoda definitely does. Well, Chinoda doesn't have taste. What can we expect? Yeah, really? I mean, the dude does like Damachi unironically. Exactly. Says my fellow trash isekai watcher. <laughs> Listen, I can only defend people who love isekai trash so much, but when you throw Don Machi in that mix, it's like, bro, you just have bad taste. Unironically love it. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark's movie reviews, a discussion detailing the good, the bad, and the downright ridiculous of anime movies. I'm your host Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and tonight I am joined by our czar of source material, John. Hi, I just woke up. I'm very hungry. Could we hurry this up? <laughs> <laughs> Not like I just spent the last 45 minutes just rifting, but okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure, for sure. Shinoda's seething. Absolutely seething. Because <laughs> he wanted here. to start like 15 minutes ago, and I'm like, no, I'm going to keep talking. Uh, to start speaking like of... 30 minutes ago, but sure. Sp speaking of Shinoda, we have our boy and the boring Shinoda. Miyazaki isn't as sexy as you think. Okay, Ooh, wow, okay. that is like, a bold just statement. Straight out friend. with fighting words, bro. Like, wow, okay. <laughs> so yeah, um, we are tonight going to be reviewing uh, Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli's most recent film, that is The Boy and the Heron, uh, a.k.a. How Do You Live, which is the Japanese title. I don't know why they changed it for the English release. That's but... so... What? That... What what is it in Japanese? How do you live? It's it's the no, they got the like, title not not the translation of the Japanese. Oh, title, they mean like the, the transliteration. The um actual Jap like it could be a, a pun in Japanese. That's why. Well, they got the title from an old novel, from a, like I think it's nineteen twenty three. I can't read this. It's an actual Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> you can't actually read Moon Rune. Uh, Kimi Tachi wa do ikiru ka. Well, that's it. Just ikiruka. Oh, that does literally translate to "How do you live?" Yes, which is the title of a nineteen nineteen thirty seven novel by someone. I don't know. Ginzaburo <laughs> uh, Yoshino. Uh, apparently, the movie itself. I haven't read the novel. Apparently, the movie itself doesn't have really anything to do with that novel, except that's where they got the title from. Um, I still don't know why they changed it for the English release, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to review it. Um, obviously directed by the great Hayao Miyazaki, um, what was supposed to be his last film. And then he immediately said, nah, I got one more in me fam right after it released. <laughs> um, uh, also written by Hayao Miyazaki, uh, produced by studio Ghibli, of course, um, released, uh, in on July 14th, 2023 in, uh, Japan, um, in North America, it had its release at the Toronto International Film Festival, where, fun fact, it was uh, introduced by Guillermo del Toro. Um, it also opened the festival uh, in 2023. It's the first animated film to ever open the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and it had a wide U.S. theatrical release starting on uh, December 8th, 2023. Um I do want to say that as of the time of recording this, um, it is still in theaters. So some of these numbers I'm about to give you now might change. We don't know what it was made on a budget of because that information isn't currently available. It may be in the future. I don't know. Did um, you try asking chat GPT? Okay. I, I did. And it, it said, I don't know. Ah, darn it. Um, <laughs> um, I can tell you that as of December 14th, 2023 it is currently sitting at just over 103 million US dollars in the worldwide box office. Wow, sure. that's more accurate. I I have 99 million but uh it, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's you know, the minute you see Studio Ghibli, it's just yeah. like okay, it's it's going to make some money. I'm going to rush to watch it. <laughs> Cuz like I think Disney still owns the publishing rights to their stuff. Uh, so this this particular one was picked up by G Kids. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what happened because I was under the impression that Disney still had the distribution rights, or maybe they do and they gave it to G Kids. I don't know exactly what the story is there. Um, hmm. I have to imagine that seeing that it's made over a hundred million dollars, it's probably made a profit. <laughs> I have yeah, to I mean, assume so. Yeah. <laughs> 
I feel safe in making that assumption. Uh, <laughs> Turns out he spent a billion dollars. A billion yen. <laughs> um, also has a total runtime of just over an hour at 124 minutes. Um, or I said over over two hours, excuse me, 124 minutes. Um, now, before we get into the spoiler stuff with like the story and the narrative, we're going to talk about the art and the cinematography and the sound design and scoring. I think these these first two things we're going to talk about may be the only points in which we all agree. Um, I think we're all in agreement that this is a beautiful movie. Like it looks amazing. Visually gorgeous. Outstanding, honestly. I, John and I were talking about it a couple of days ago. I think it may be their best, uh, Studio Ghibli's best animated film. I would agree. Um, yeah. The very beginning of the film, it starts off with like the whole, like uh, it's a fire, right? Mm-hmm. And it looks very well animated. Like the facial expressions of the people who are just like, oh my God, there's a fire. Like they, they stylize them and make them like, Whoa. It, it looks so cool as a, I don't Almost looks like you're looking at a dream sequence. Yeah. It, it's freaking nuts. It, it, it's so fluidly animated. Looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I I can't think of anything at all in this movie to criticize it for uh, visually. Um, the art style, the animation is great. I love the sort of fantastical, dreamlike aspects to a lot of the scenes, uh, especially later on in the movie. Um, the use of like fire and water effects is done really, really well. I think there's a nice blend of both 2D and 3D animation in this movie. Um, very seamless blend of both 2D and 3D animation. Um, I don't know. I just, I can't think of anything visually to knock this on, except for maybe the fact that some of the fantastical creatures that they have in this aren't necessarily up to par for typical Ghibli yeah, films. So this is a, a very weird Ghibli film because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it has that Ghibli magic. Like I don't, like my neighbor Tro Toro, for example, or Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited, or Spirited away. away. Like it's so fantastical and grand and in scale. And this movie doesn't feel like it has that. They One thing had do... more realistic things about this, and that took out some of the magic, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it, it doesn't feel like a Ghibli film, but I do really appreciate that they kept the uh, ongoing theme of like how they draw old people because yeah those old grannies were just like, I, was just like oh, I love them they were so they were adorable. so yeah they were so adorable oh man <laughs> small where did you get tobacco <laughs> bitch <laughs> uh yeah i i love the i love the little old grannies um i just i don't know we uh chinota oh i think both of you have said it now like this this movie just doesn't have like the, the the Ghibli magic, which is going to be a recurring theme in our review. Um, this feels like a Miyazaki movie and not a Studio Ghibli movie. Again, I feel like it's just because I've been trained to like, because of like, you know, Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle, freaking My Neighbor Totoro, Ponyo, Spirited Away, Nausicaa. the freaking secret world of uh, Arietti, Nasca Valley of the Wind. Everything is so... Like that's Ghibli. That all those movies scream Ghibli to me. Yeah, they follow a pretty similar formula. Yeah, he's delivery service. But it, watching the boy and the heron, it doesn't feel like it's a Ghibli film. It doesn't. Like it, it does, but it doesn't. You know. Yeah. Wait, we'll expand on that once we get to the spoiler section. Yeah. Also, um, kind of moving on a little bit quickly to like sound design and scoring. Uh, brilliant Joe Hisashi score. I'm glad that he came back uh, one more time to work with Miyazaki. I've always loved the scores that he does for all the Ghibli films. Um, I will say probably not his best work ever, but definitely up there. I mean, it's, it's definitely good. great to listen to. I enjoyed yeah. listening to it the whole time. Um, I mean... his, the, his soundtrack has been nominated for a Golden Globe for best soundtrack. So that's cool. And I believe is this his first one ever. Were we talking about it's, that? Before? Yeah, you. I, yeah, I, I would mention it one. to you a couple of days ago that um, outside of Japan, I don't believe. At least I can't find evidence of it. And maybe I could be proven wrong. If I am wrong, let me know down below. That Joe Hisashi outside of Japan has never been nominated for like for any kind of award for any of his soundtracks. 
You keep saying Hisashi. It's Hisaishi, bro. Oh, sorry. There's an eye there. Hisaishi. <laughs> excuse me. Listen, I'm on four hours of sleep. I. Hmm. Me too, bro. <laughs> bro. Um. But yeah. Uh. So good for him. I definitely think he deserves it. Um. It's it's a great score. I I love I love the use of like little motifs for all the different characters. Like the parakeets have their own theme. The the Wadawadas have their own theme. Um, it works. It all it all just works in typical Ghibli soundtrack fashion. Yeah, it blends seamlessly. It definitely. I don't know if. Yeah, I guess. Everyone and every setting still has their own themes, and it is done rightfully. I, I like, will definitely well, give it that. One thing I generally loved is how when you're in the, the real world, so to speak, um, in this movie, like the, the, the soundtrack feels very grounded. But then when you go to the, the, the tower, I guess I'll call it, um, this, the, the music gets a lot more whimsical sounding. Yes. Yeah, which now, is I did, actually I did really like cool. That a lot. Um, I also want to talk about. Oh, go ahead. So, did you guys watch it in English or Japanese? I watched the dub. Okay, I for once watched it in dub. I'm planning on seeing the sub as well. Uh, that was not offered to me, so I actually watched <laughs> it in Japanese with subtitles. You will watch it with subtitles, and you will like it. Listen, the only true way to experience a, a Japanese anything, you got to watch it with subtitles. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so, so you're telling me you've seen Full Metal Alchemist with in sub? Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lies, <laughs> lies, and slander. Uh, uh, I wanted to watch it in English, but it just wasn't offered around me. I can tell you, having watched it, the English dub is genuinely good. I thought it was fantastic. I no questions about anything. Robert Pattinson as the as the heron did a great job. I, I, I listen. I want to. I want to say this. Ever since Twilight, and he heard that people thought that he was a bad actor, dude took that shit personally. <laughs> he's going Honestly, around disproving everyone. No, oh, he no. really has. Like he's been in multiple roles. Um, both acting and voice acting, and he's done a phenomenal job. He is a legitimately good actor, and I will defend him on that. Like, he actually is. To anyone out there who still doubts it, go watch The Lighthouse. You will see how good of a fucking actor Robert Pattinson Beyond is. Beyond fantastic. <laughs> uh, see, also, I, I feel Mark like Mark Hamill problem... in his fourth Ghibli movie now. <laughs> is it his fourth? He gets invited yeah. to movies a lot. <laughs> Uh, it's almost like he's a professional voice actor. I, I do like it because he and was the actor. grand uncle. Yeah, he, he was the grand uncle. And I like how he just played the voice as like old Joker. I didn't hear that. I don't know. It's just not like he was an old gruff Joker. I did not hear old gruff Joker coming from that. Just, it was good. No, I'm not. That's not a complaint or anything. I thought it was great. No, personally, I just got it as a old wizen guy uh voice that's what i got from that also had dave bautista as the parakeet king who uh john and i realized the parakeets have duke misspelled on their signs yeah they spell it d-u-c-h i'm like is is his name supposed to be dutch i don't know (laughs) but i i think the signs are supposed to read viva duke like you know long live the duke but it doesn't even get Viva right. It says V-I-I-A. Via. Oh, guys, guys, you guys are disrespecting their culture and their spellings okay. and how they do things. Wow. I mean, maybe. Listen, maybe I, you know what? I did. You know what? It's part of the movie magic because obviously the parakeets aren't supposed to be literate. They're freaking parakeets. Yeah. <laughs> They're birds, bro. Come on. We're, we're, we're taking this children's film a little too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, so before we move on to the spoiler section, I want to ask you guys, just based on what you saw, would you say go watch it? Don't go watch it. Like, I mean, I feel like I'd say go watch it. Uh, it, it if you're going in expecting like a fantastical Ghibli movie, um, well, you'll you'll be in for a like a shock, a surprise. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a it's shock. Not, it's not it's not what you expect. But 
after digesting and processing, I was like, you know what? I think that it is a movie that I would tell people to go watch. Like, yeah, go watch it. Um, if you if you like Ghibli films, uh, maybe don't watch it. <laughs> but it's not a bad film. I, I think people should go watch it or at le- very least check it out uh, when you can, like pick it up on streaming or something. I don't know. I fully like- agree, John. I would definitely say go watch it. Don't go in there with high expectations. Um have them lowered and then go watch it. It is temper temper your expectations. Cause again, going in and thinking, Oh boy, I'm going to watch the next, my neighbor Totoro. It's like, Nope, (laughs) you are (laughs) like, no, you're not. It's not that great, but it is worth watching. It definitely is. And it's worth watching as a family. I would say definitely still good for kids. Um, Um, Alex. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely think it's worth watching. I feel like, visually it's a treat for the eyes so if you're gonna if you if you like watching great visuals definitely go watch it um narratively i feel like this is one of those movies that multiple viewings actually helps the movie and i feel like i would probably enjoy this more if i watched it again i don't know i feel like no there's i get that because with all the symbolism i feel like Maybe there's some stuff I, I missed along the way. I mean, clearly there's some stuff that I missed, which we will get to because John pointed something out to me that I, I clearly missed <laughs> yeah. um, watching this the first time. So I feel like well, this, in, this in might typical, be a movie. In typical Ghibli fashion, uh, there's a lot of symbolism and allegories to yeah. things in, yeah. in their films. Just as and if always. you blink, sometimes you will miss it. Yeah. Yeah, straight up. If you blink, you will miss stuff. Um, but I feel like this is a movie for me, at least, that repeated viewings will actually help it, not hurt. I've it. actually heard the same thing, Alex, because I've heard a from a good amount of people that they actually had to look things up or have things explained to them, uh, to actually understand some concepts or what was actually happening. So, yeah. watching it a couple of times definitely helps with this movie. Yeah. Um. So I want to watch it just about. one more time in, in English, just because, again, like this yeah. all star cast, the Japanese dub was all right. It wasn't bad. Like, I would say it was good. Mm-hmm. Right. It's what I would expect from a a, an, a high tiered or a high production studio to be hiring mm-hmm. good voice actors. I will say if I if I did have one criticism of the English dub, it's the I, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, to be perfectly honest. Um, let me look it up real quick. Um. Luca Potovan, who was the English voice of Mahito, the main character, mm-hmm. um, in general, did a good job. There are some scenes where it genuinely feels like this is like the first take and like they just went, fuck it, we're going with it. Because <laughs> um, it, it feels like the the voice actor is like, in a lot of the scenes, is trying to age their voice down, if that makes sense, like make themselves sound younger than they are. Because, you know, obviously they're playing a, a child character. So you'd want to do that. Um, but then there's some scenes, like, inexplicably, where the voice just sounds like they're not doing that at all. And they sound like a 25-year-old child. <laughs> yeah. I, hmm. I mean, I I'm, I'm still going to watch it. Maybe that's a problem with the editing more than the acting. I don't know. I'll have to watch it and make my own decisions there. But anyway, that's like the only criticism I, I kind of have of, of the dub. Otherwise, it's 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 wonderful, and you get a brilliant cameo by Willem Dafoe midway through the movie. No, yeah, Willem Dafoe. You, the, you remember the um, the pelican that's like fucked up near the outhouse? Yes, it's like kill me in the dub. That's Willem Dafoe. Yeah. I was no. not expecting Just, that whatsoever. I and let me tell you something. Loved it. And let me tell you something. He is chewing that roll up. <laughs> he is at his Willem Dafoe best. All right. Uh, so let's yeah, talk uh, about spoilers. 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 So spoilers. if you haven't seen it, go watch it if you can. If it's still in theaters by the time this comes out, I doubt it will be, but I'm sure it'll be on a streaming service soon. Um, probably Disney Plus. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah let's talk about the spoilers um john you and i talked about this this is definitely a miyazaki movie because it feels like it's a very personal movie yeah it's literally Um, based off of his life if you actually um 
read his early years, oh. it's literally based off of that. I didn't know. I didn't know he fought Nazi parakeets. <laughs> so, bro, uh, don't you I, know? I didn't about know the parakeet conspiracy. No, <laughs> I didn't know that this was based on his uh, life. But that made sense to me after uh, Alex said that because I was like, you know, this film did feel very personal because this this film is about the personal growth of a boy who's suffered through quite a lot, quite honestly. And he has to come to terms with like himself as a person and where he fits in life. And it's uh, that's why after ruminating, I was like, you know, it's actually a pretty good film, but it definitely doesn't feel like a Ghibli film. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, I mean, kind of because it starts off with the firebomb building in World War Two. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, uh, is this another Grave of the Firefly situation? Like, what's going on here? Because I, I went into this movie knowing nothing, absolutely nothing. I heard you guys were like, watch it. And I was like, fuck it. I, I guess I can watch it, too. We can do a movie review. You so said you went with your wife and you, you saw the firebombing and then you look. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we both were like, oh, no, this is a grave of the fireflies. We, we, we're not prepared. We're not for mentally this. prepared for this. But uh, I mean, it wasn't a grave of the firefly situation. Thank God, because I was not ready to just be crying all night. Um, I felt like the the story itself of was it Mahito, right? The main character. Yeah, Mahito's Mahito. yeah. main character. It was very good because it, it revolves around him. Um, his mom dies in the, the that firebombed building and then his dad remarries to his aunt, his mom's younger sister. And Mahito is kind of just like, you know, as the estranged stepchild would be, it's like they've got a kid coming on the way and he doesn't know where he belongs. He they move from Tokyo all the way out to the sticks. And one thing I really liked was the how they would tell you about the backstory, like the veneer of the backdrop. Of like they're obviously it's World War Two, like end of near the end of World War Two or whatever. Or in the middle of it. Actually, it would be it's in the in middle, the middle think, of it. Actually. I think it's yeah. more in the middle because like Japan is not doing bad yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, he has to move away from there. But then like the, the whole like backdrop of when he gets there, there's the old ladies and they're like fawning over uh the dad's suitcase and they're like oh my god canned beef canned tuna like oh my god sugar and flour they still have that and it's like the reason they they showed that is because uh this is when it starts to get bad and you know during war as people uh should understand sometimes we have to uh give stuff out like we we can't buy or trade right people you give you embargoes you have. you have to ration anything that you do have and you send your resources to your soldiers so it's like the after effect of that they don't have tobacco they don't have anything and it's, it's like they live in this grand mansion but everyone who works here is old because it's in the fucking countryside and they don't have basic things like sugar or flour and it's it's cool it's cool that they chose to tell the story like that which is again a very ghibli thing to do you know, things are happening in the background that you may or may not pick up on, but they are they're setting the stage for you without you having to focus on it. Which and is great. like the 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 father who is based on Miyazaki's actual father, who also made military stuff for the Japanese army during World War Two. Um, he's not unwealthy, like he's got money, but even he has problems he, coming up with you know, certain goods that are being rationed. Yep. He is a factor factory owner that we see uh, much more wealthy than a lot of other people and but he even still can't that, get stuff yep yeah like um, uh so like the the whole mahito goes to that new school he transfers in right and all the kids there have shaved heads but he doesn't right because he's like he's the wild kid he's the one who doesn't have to be part of the volunteer squad to help mm-hmm. like gather and harvest things for the, the japanese um army so it's like all these little tiny things were just like it's like oh i love these little tiny like details that we're getting yeah like it it's not i wouldn't say that these details were integral to the plot like whatsoever mm-hmm. but i would say that it it helped fill out the world a lot more it made it more enjoyable for me as a viewer it's definitely good world building like yeah, it's, it, it's it, genuinely good world building and i think it makes up for not being a super fantastical movie ghibli film with that because it's a it's a good like yeah. you were saying it's a good miyazaki film yeah 
I mean, he he has pretty much said that this is supposed to be his magnum opus. I believe it by how personal this story seems to yeah, him. It made it makes a lot of sense. It's so it's such a very personal story that he's telling because it's about a kid getting over his own like trauma and stuff. And trying to find his, like, well, you said it, trying to find his place in this, this new family that he's got, because he's, which I feel is probably something that's very relatable to a lot of people that have lost either their mother or their father or, or someone through either death or divorce. Yeah. Uh, Chinoda is having like nose issues, I think. <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going on there. But, um, I will say though the allegories in this film mm-hmm. are not as heavy-handed as like previous no. Studio Ghibli films. No, yeah. it's pretty straightforward. And and that's again one of the other weird things. Mostly Ghibli films are pretty straightforward with like all right, we're we're about activism and joining the community together. We're about uh the, don't pollute, you know, environmentalism. Yeah. This film is like nope, nothing nothing like that. It's just about yeah, it's- hey Sometimes life happens and you have to learn how to process it instead of locking yourself away. And I'm like, oh, that's new for Ghibli. <laughs> that doesn't Which happen very of, often. Like it's not always, necessarily the worst thing. It's just so incredibly odd. It's different. For a Ghibli yes. movie, yes. For a Ghibli film, it is different. Um, Like the, the, the allegory of the tower being like, you know, you have to try and find your way, find your balance, so to speak. Yeah. I I, li- I like that visual like motif, especially once you meet like the grand uncle and you actually see him trying to balance different shapes into a tower. Like it, I mean, it's really straightforward, but it's quite apt for kind of growing up and learning to deal with that kind of stuff. Well, I, again, the I, I believe that the grand uncle is a, a symbol for what Mahito could do, you know, someone who mm-hmm. locks himself away in a tower for like a hundred years or whatever, you know, you can lock yourself away from the situation you're in and you can build every day. You'll have to rebuild it to keep up the facade, but you can rebuild it and keep going every day. But eventually you get old and tired and you don't want to keep rebuilding it. And then like you get very cynical as you go get old. Yeah. And it's like, again, great symbolism, great Ghibli style symbolism, which again, I, I have to believe that the the grand uncle is just supposed to be Miyazaki. <laughs> Maybe I have Maybe. no idea who, who the grand uncle is supposed to represent, but I I really enjoyed this storyline of watching Maito grow as a person. Like uh, my favorite part of the film is when he's um, going to rescue his his aunt slash stepmom, and he's like the one thing that he was afraid of this entire time was being rejected by her, right? Being mm-hmm. having no place in the new family because you know his mom's dead. Uh, his dad is remarried and they've got a kid on the way. And, you know, with most kids who experience this, they feel like they don't belong anymore. Like, yeah, I'm just a child like an outsider. Yeah. And uh, he's the most fearful thing for him is to be rejected by her. And then she does reject him. Right. And that like shock just like fucks him up so bad, which is why he passes out. Because I like, like that, his that mental reaction. Shock. His immediate reaction when she rejects him, like when when he goes to see her when she's like sort of bedridden and she's like swats him away. And, and I think even she even calls him her, her sister. Um, like his immediate reaction is to do like a heel turn and just go out of the room as fast as possible. He yeah, wants to run away. He's a kid. Yeah. 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 Which makes and- perfect sense. Yeah, because this, that's this is a lot of heavy stuff for a kid to process, and kids don't know how to process emotions very well. Hell, yeah, adults don't know how to talk. process emotions very well. Yeah, Can, you expect a thirteen-year-old boy to do it? Like, come on. Yeah, uh, I think he might even be younger. Than that I think he might be like eleven or twelve. I, he's 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 pretty young. I want to say he's like ten or eleven, maybe twelve. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I do. I do love the symbolism we get, especially once you get into um, the tower and he's just going all over the place with it. I, I loved a lot of the symbolism, like almost like dreamlike. It's almost like the whole thing is supposed to be a dream. Like that's the kind of imagery it is. Yeah. And it feels very disconnected at times. It's very otherworldly in terms of setting and pacing. Yeah, I would say. Mm hmm not very high fantasy but it is otherworldly yeah and like the uh the i call her the pirate girl i can't never remember her name but the one that finds him in the when he opens the graveyard up and gets on the sailboat 
Oh, that's and, Kiriko. That's yeah. Kiriko. Yeah. Like that's that was when I when I realized that I was like, wait a minute, that's that, that's clever. That's clever, Miyazaki. <laughs> I was really impressed by that. I don't know why I was so impressed by that. Um but you know, speaking of like the the fantastic beast and stuff that we've seen in previous Ghibli films, besides like I guess you could say the parakeets, maybe the heron, but then we got like the warawara, and they just seem like a rehash of a couple of things we've seen in other Ghibli movies before. Yeah, they're not as cute as like the rest. I, yeah, I, I they're definitely not. I was like, oh yeah, it's. Kind of, it was like I saw. It, it was like, oh look, it's the standard Ghibli cute thing, right? It's but their like, merch. Look at the merch. It's the thing they're going yeah. to make a plushie out of. But this time, I was like, it's not that great. They're just like little round things. Like, hmm. uh, I think that the uh, the heron was done really well because yeah. I think that the heron is supposed to be representative of Mahito's ugly inner self. Like that's why he looks like that. He does. Yeah. But I, I'm not again, I don't know anything about this film. I'm not sure why Miyazaki made it or what it's supposed to represent. <laughs> but to me, they were like two sides of the same coin because they had to work together to rescue his uh, stepmom. They couldn't do, like, do you know, do you know why Miyazaki made this movie? It's because Shinkai is just trying to take over and he can't stand it. <laughs> yeah, Miyazaki will not be dethroned. <laughs> Even though I guess at this, I feel like at this point he might, you know, I'm going to look that up um, in like after we're done recording, <laughs> like how much has Shinkai made versus how much Studio Ghibli? Because I know Studio Ghibli has made like $1.5 billion so far. But not, not every Studio Ghibli movie is a Miyazaki movie. Oh, that's true. A lot of them are, but not every single one of them. I'd have to calculate which ones are. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to do some math and compare, but. No. <laughs> Be careful. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> I know. Math is hard. Math is hard. Listen, so not all Asian. Asians are good at math. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a lot of show don't tell in this, yeah. in this movie. Um, Again, very beautiful. Very, very Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Occasionally it does feel like you could tell me a little more, Miyazaki. <laughs> I mean... All right, so I I understand it. Here come it was, the criticisms, by the way. <laughs> well, this is what you thought it was a hard cut, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, there there's a point in this movie where it's I completely missed what apparently I'm supposed to get to to make these two scenes connect. But there's a scene where he's going through the corridor and he meets the grand uncle for the first time, uh, Mahito. I'm talking about, and um, they have that conversation, and then there's a cut to him being tied up to the by the parakeets and i'm thinking to myself wait a minute did i miss an entire scene <laughs> no so what happened was prior to this uh this is when he gets rejected by his stepmom and gets kicked out of the room yeah and he falls unconscious and then his mom falls unconscious as well and the parakeets surround them they're like oh we got the kids right and then he's having like a dream sequence where he's talking to his granduncle. Yeah, like that's all happening in his head. But in reality, out of body rather, experience more yeah, than a dream sequence. Yeah, he's, he's having like an out of body experience where he meets the master of the tower finally. And uh, but in like in the reality, I guess he's being held. He's being um, a bug be cooked by the parakeets. So, yeah. Also, that fucking like <laughs> fucking comedy stylings of the disguise that the heron is wearing. <laughs> like he's oh, very the, obviously um... very obviously not a parakeet and he's just getting right by all of them i, I also like uh... how i also like how he knocks out a parakeet right in front of another one and the other one is like i'm just gonna keep going yeah the parakeets are so dumb <laughs> they're so entertaining because of that though yeah i guess <laughs> Um, I think I think I figured out why that confused me, though, because right after that happens, when uh, Mahito passes out, you like there's an instant cut straight to like the fire girl. I forget her name. The His one mom. That, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Like there's a cut to her and it goes to like you, you see the parakeet surrounding her. Well, so she falls I on never... top of Mahito. I know, and I didn't put that together at first because <laughs> I am uh, dumb. 
See, I feel like this is a, a problem on your end, not the film's that, problem. This is so. why this is why I say I feel like my opinion of this movie will increase with repeat viewings because I will actually remember to, t- to pay attention at this part. <laughs> not to mention, even in the very beginning, they showed her with the weird fire thing um, in the real world. And if you actually paid attention to that and remembered that, it actually plays into it all the way later when we're at this part of the movie yeah hearing hearing it now i realize that there was a setup and a payoff to it at the time when i was watching the movie i was very confused Mm. i mean all of this really is happening in mahito's head (laughs) because if you think about it again that shit crazy okay well like I said, the reason I think that the heron represents his uh, other half, right, is because the heron is the one who's like, your mom's not dead, right? And what's mm-hmm. the one thing that Mahito saw before uh, he died? He saw his mom in, like, fire form. Yeah. And so in his mind, because he hasn't let go of her yet, it's it's representative of that. Mm-hmm. But it's like to let go of his mom, to, to accept his stepmom, right, to accept his new life and find his place, he has to let go, which is what happens at the end where she goes to her own door and he goes to his because he's finally letting go again very personal a very good story about a kid getting over you know the death of his mom which again it's, it's very his new life it's very like literal symbolism when they have to open a door and walk through it to affect yeah. that change so i i thought the film again i walked out of it saying like i didn't really like it like I, I don't really understand it, but after like ruminating on it and uh, going driving home and ruminating on it, I was like, you know what? It's actually a really good film. Did did it bother? Speaking of those doors, did it bother either of you that those doors were not numbered sequentially? Yeah, because <laughs> I, I my god, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my god, why? <laughs> I was just looking at. It, I'm like, what is this system? How does this work? Why would they put it like that? Yasaki, we need to talk. <laughs> I I mean, I, I could spew some bullshit about how it's symbolism about events being uh, near each other but far apart, right? Everything There's being sim- symbolism isn't a good thing. Hey, John. <laughs> I mean, because, like, this where he's at in his life. by David Lynch. I, yeah, I, I don't. I honestly don't know. I, I, it's the design choice, dude. They, they chose to do it like that because it'd be... How else would it be that his mom... And him would be able to say goodbye to each other, like just one or two doors apart, right? That was the end goal. But the way to get there is to make it so all the numbered, all the doors are numbered in, um, not sequentially. <laughs> like that's probably the real reason. Yeah. All right, so Chinoda, I know you have a lot of criticisms of this movie, so lay it on us. So, while yes, there is a lot of symbolism, I don't. I think their use of symbolism was overt and not in a good way. I think because they relied on it, it escapes a lot of uh, people's understanding, not making it a good film, forcing people to think about it too much, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing for movies. Now, I don't know why they decide to go this route for this movie i do want how do i say this i want this words to know um let me put it all right let me put it like this i don't think it was done well i i think there are scenes that were fantastic and the overall story pretty good but how, like, John, how you're putting it, a lot of symbolism. I'm not sure if it was necessarily meant to be interpreted like that. I think, like, your inter- interpretation is valid, but I'm not sure if that's, like, the way to do it. I think you can still look at it from the other side of, yes, this all actually happened, but I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing either. I mean, 
having it literally happen is what would happen in an actual Ghibli movie. Like in every exactly. other Ghibli movie, like these people get taken to these otherworldly places or they meet these otherworldly creatures and like it's literal, like it's actually happening. And this one, it's you're supposed to interpret, I think, as either a dream or some kind of out-of-body experience or a vision. But because it's Studio Ghibli, it's very well possible that it is, in fact, actually happening. But just, but if it is like that, that just means it wasn't done that well. I really don't think so. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it's again, it's missing that Ghibli magic. It is. I, I, I don't. Because is, is, is it's it like, weird that the three of us together can't actually define what that means? It's just it's Ghibli magic. Just to uh, put a take on it, I think it's um, almost all of uh, Studio Ghibli's past movies, especially Miyazaki's, has been central and centered around envir environmentalism. This didn't have uh, as much of that. It had some beautiful environment, <laughs> but not as much uh, of a positive message about uh, environmentalism environmentalism i wouldn't say yeah. all of miyazaki's movies are about environmentalism but that Not is a key component all of, a lot of them of the but it's a it's a highly main theme uh yeah. in all of them i would say yeah i don't know <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> ghibli magic is like porn i can't define it but i know when i see it <laughs> you really can though that's real that that very much is real i don't know i and Another thing to that say. It feels like bad criticism that is, there's no Ghibli magic. It's like, what is Ghibli magic? I don't know, but I know it when I see it. It's missing it's the fantastical define. element because it, it feels too grounded. That's really what yeah. feels weird about the film. It does feel because, like it feels it's, so it's a magical it tower, right? Well, it's a magical tower, but we don't explore the tower or anything, right? He, he's got a clear cut goal. And it's not like we go through magical worlds and stuff like that. And with how it ends, like, yeah, it all really did happen because obviously they get shit on by birds, like quite literally. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there's a bunch of animals that are trapped in the tower and they took a, a physical form, like a, a big a humanoid form, basically, when they were trapped in the tower. But then, like, they get released and it's like, oh, they're back to being regular animals. And it's like, OK, so I guess it really did happen. But part of me is like, well, it all did happen, but it, he's imagining all of it happening. He got locked in a tower and I don't know. They, they had some fever dream. I, I honestly, I can't explain it. Like it, the fantastical element of this movie, because they, they drugs, because they return to the real world and everything is now real, right? Like even the parakeet king is like in the room. No, world. you know what? It was all a dream because he hit himself with a fucking rock and imagined yeah actually, no. exactly bro he, dude, no. just he had a bad that. he had a bad first day at school hit himself in the head with a rock everything after that is in his own head it could he's be. in a coma right now exactly <laughs> i was just joking while that is a possibility i seriously doubt that just the by the funny. way shocking amount of blood for a head wound <laughs> Not shocking. No, no, hit yourself right. You really I mean, will yeah, bleed you, out of your head. You that hit much. yourself right. You're going to get a lot of blood, but man, no, it really emphasized all that blood coming out. Oh, yeah, it was a lot. But no, head wounds generally do bleed a lot more than like regular wounds. Yep. I have personal experience in that. I've absolutely never hit testified. myself in the head with a rock to know. <laughs> you know what, Alex? Go right ahead. <laughs> I, no, I'm I'm all good. I'm all good. <laughs> I've done enough of that in my younger days. I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You just didn't just smash your head against rocks as a kid? Is it, is it just me? No. Normally, people throw it at me. Oh, oh dang! <laughs> dang! Um, this film, the plot and narrative. It really doesn't feel like Miyazaki wrote it. it. It honestly feels like someone put it into chat GPT and was like, give me a Miyazaki Ghibli film. I, ooh, and honestly, like, criticism. it might be harsh, but it, I feel like that's true. It feels so, here's element check, uh, box check, whatever. And it, it felt like it was a script. It didn't 
feel like uh, um, what we aren't, would... Aren't all have. movies a script, Chinoda? Yeah. Sure, all <laughs> movies are, but the I fact that say, this so, failed that script is what's wrong with it. It to didn't use, capture to use the analogy, real to, element. To use your analogy, Chinoda, I wouldn't say that someone like put give me a Miyazaki movie in chat GPT. I would say someone put into chat GPT Miyazaki's life story and said, make a Ghibli styled movie around that. See, that makes a lot more sense. Oh yeah, yeah no, I could see that I, either way though. That's not a good thing. I, I will say I'd be highly surprised to find out that's true. Seeing the absolutely no, disgusted no, reaction that Miyazaki had to AI art. No, it's not yeah. true at have you, all. Have you whatsoever. seen that video where he he has this very visceral, like, sickening look on his face when he sees AI art? No, I have not seen that video. It's He's great. Like, it's fantastic. Was, I highly recommend looking it up. I, there's like a team of people who are working on some like AI art algorithm and they're showing it off to him. And he's just sitting there uh, just with his typical look like stone faced. And then they just turn to him at the end. And it's like, so what do you think? And he says... I'm glad I'm gonna die soon. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, no, this man is legit. That isn't it. That isn't what he says, like like verbatim. But it's like it's that effect. Okay, I was about to say, like, I don't think Miyazaki would say that. Like, come on. No, no, I could it's absolutely some... see him saying that. <laughs> like, I think literally he says something like, "This is absolutely disgusting and an affront to humanity." No way. I gotta watch it now. But yeah. I, I would be very shocked to find out that AI had anything to do with this movie. I mean, I seriously doubt it. No, I hundred percent. Okay, no, there is that's no just me being AI be like, all right. Well, how do you want to define help with AI? Because there's a lot of AI tools that people use in creations of things. I, I I would not be surprised to find out that the people who came up with the English version of this used AI to get the title. <laughs> The reason I say that is because, like, like you're a Photoshop, right? Like, using the uh, the magic wand tool. You know how that learns? AI. Yeah. It does. So, there, there are certain effects where I'm like, well, that's powered by AI. So, like, AI is not entirely Taking bad. backgrounds out. Just saying. Turns out. We've had it for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been, like, it's not a new thing. All right. Well, to close out this review, um, let's, let's give our scores. Uh, John. I eight out of ten, honestly. I originally wanted to give it a seven out of ten because mm. I was like, it's just missing that thing. But again, after ruminating, after thinking about it, I was like, you know what? It was a good film. I can't knock it down points for the story if the story was actually good. Because I was like, I was going through my checklist, right? I'm like, all right, five of my points will at least be for the story. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like it's not that great of a story. And I kept talking to Alex about it. And I was like, you know what? No, I changed my mind. It is a good story. It's not a good Ghibli film, but it's a good story. Okay. All right, Jenoda. Seven out of ten. I didn't appreciate the story as much. Um, definitely not a good Ghibli film or Imizaki film, I would say. Still worth watching. Audios and visual is through the roof. It's still very much stereotypical in terms of that. Fantastic. Uh, good watch. Definitely great to watch with the family. Um, yeah, check it out. Don't go in with high expectations, but very worth seeing. I'm going to be right in between you two. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I feel like, like John, it, it's just missing that Ghibli magic. Um, and I, I don't know. I wanted a little more tell than show, although I did appreciate some of the symbolism for what it was. Um, and like Chinoda said, beautiful visuals, beautiful music. There's a lot to there is a lot to love about this film. Um I just don't think it's amazing. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I definitely think it's a magnum opus for Miyazaki. I just don't think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I don't know if it's a magnum opus, chief, but I don't think you understand what magnum opus means. <laughs> yeah. Do, do I? Do I, I think you uh, I think you understand magnum opus to mean this is the best thing he's ever created, whereas a magnum opus means this is the most personal thing they've ever done yes i think it literally means oh yeah right work yep no you completely had it right i had the definition wrong never mind 
a lot of people mind. have the definition of magnum opus. A, a lot of people, yeah, no, a lot of I, people think, a lot of people think, think that, that magnum yeah. opus just is like a byword for masterpiece, and it's not. It's literally no. just whatever the creator is done that's most personal to them. Like what they believe to be their mm. magnum opus. This is the work of my life, right? Yeah. What it really actually means. And Todd Howard calls that Starfield. Okay. Bro. <laughs> Bro. But, anyway, right. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's my score for it. Um, I am genuinely curious for uh, those of you that have watched this. Um, let us know down below what you thought of the boy and the heron. Um, are we are we way off base? Are we are we too harsh on this? Are we not harsh enough? Uh, let us know because I, a lot of people seem to think this is a masterpiece, and I'm like, it's good. It may even be just barely great. I don't think it's a masterpiece. Give us your takes. Criticize yeah. our review. Yes. Yeah. Tell Chinoda why he's wrong. <laughs> Please. Yeah. I welcome Please. it. <laughs> Please. Now, I am planning on going to watch it again, so, you know. Maybe with a repeat think... viewing, you might actually have a better opinion of it. Yeah, no, really. So, I will give an update if I change my mind on something. On that note, uh, thank you everyone for stopping by to watch us review The Boy and the Heron. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff down below if you like what you saw and want to see more. Um, check down below also for links to Anime Club After Dark on Twitter, on TikTok, on Discord. Um, you can also check out our merch store down there where you can buy wonderful things like this lovely, lovely uh, three-quarter sleeve t-shirt I am wearing. Um that really, really does help us out. And you get some really cool merch out of it as well. We have some uh, new merch that should be coming with uh, this new year as well. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. With that, though, I have been your host, Alex, and we will see you next time. Say goodnight, guys. Good night. Thanks for joining us. Bro, his name is not Duke. It's Dutch. <laughs> it's Dutch. <laughs> Dutch. What if his name was actually Dutch Duke? Duke Dutch. What if his name was actually Via Duch? And that was why they had it on the sign. Maybe. <laughs> We've had it wrong this entire time. Par parakeets aren't illiterate. <laughs> <laughs>